sensitive to these sounds. Plant down and lotus in a tent to ground. Knowing if I fail to lift the veil, I'm hell bound. Journey through the fate of all the hate I found. Done laying out the layman's for these lanes, big clowns. We can still throw down pound for pound. If you choose to drag my name through the mud with no bounds. Scars go deep, but the passion can shift. Trying to find a balance between anger and bliss. Searching for my purpose when success is a myth. I thought I knew the gist of the plot, but it came with a twist. Had it all mapped out, but none of the pieces fit. Abandonment issues got me doing the split. Realizing I didn't really need what I wish. Got sick of getting tricked into giving the devil a kiss. Welcome to the side of hell. Hey everyone, welcome to Portal to the Paranormal Thriller podcast. Um, thank you for everyone that's joining in. Um, let us know that you're here, put some comments and we can give you a little hello. Um, but tonight we have a great show lined up for you. Um, as you've seen, we've got MJ Dixon joining us tonight. Um, what, what can we say? She's done a lot of things in the paranormal. Uh, paranormal investigator, psychic medium, author, TV producer, director. Um, you would have seen her on shows like the Sky Pit hit show, um, Paranormal Captured. She's also done work on Destination Fear, um, Paranormal Lockdown and more. And she's also got the Sage Paracon um, in the US and also here in the UK as well. So we have lots to talk about with um, MJ. We're also going to be showing one of her recent projects that she's just finished um, over in Africa. And that's going to be really exciting. And I've got a video of hers to show, so we'll get into that. But before I give our shout-outs to everyone in the room, I'm just going to bring MJ on. Hey, MJ, Hello. how are you doing? I'm good, Nanda. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. Um, as always, I just want to say a big thank you for um, agreeing to come on the show having a chat with me and everyone in the audience. Thank you um, for having me on your show. It's an it's, honor to be here. Thank you. It's going to be a great one. You know, with the chats that we've had already, um, I'm really excited about, you know, getting into it. Before we do, I always like to just greet the audience, the people that are tuning in to say hello. So we have our friends, uh, the Patrol Paranormal evening. I think that might be Big Rob saying hello. Hi, uh, guys. We have uh, Joy in the room. Lovely. Yes, uh, tribe in the house. Hey, Sarah. Sarah. Um, we have Jenny Sanasi from Emerald Isle Paranormal in Ireland. Um, we've got Suzette. We've got quite a few people in. Uh, if I don't get around to everyone, because I do want to ask MJ questions, but uh, we've got John, <laughs> Alison coming into the room. We've got Mark. Um, as always, guys, I always like to say we want you to get involved as well. So if you have any questions for MJ, Please stick them in the comments and we'll try and get round to it. Uh, we have Daniel. He is um, the owner of Portal to the Paranormal. Um, so absolutely great to see him in the room as well. Um, so MJ, turning on all about you now. So what I'd like to do is just kick this off and, you know, give us a bit of a background how you started your journey into the paranormal. Oh, goodness. How much time do we have? Um, I grew up with all things paranormal. So my journey started when I was about four years old. My entire family, all the females, are psychic mediums. So I'm fifth generation, and that's been passed down. We're a bunch of crazy ladies. And um, my dad was a military man, so very straight and narrow. So I grew up with the best of both worlds. I grew up with you need to be logical and 
you know, start on earth and work your way up. And then I grew up with the airy fairy side. So right. I've been doing all things paranormal. I mean, I've, I've been researching it for a lot longer than I've been investigating. Um, but I grew up as a psychic medium um, in Zimbabwe and South Africa and then moved to the UK. So, yeah, long and journey. A long journey. Um, and you said that you started off from quite a young age. Do you remember your first experience that made you realize that you had this gift? Well, I mean, I didn't realize it at the time because I was so young. I was I was only four years old and I'd seen the apparition of somebody in our house. But my mom had seen this person, too. And and she kind of freaked out and realized that the gene had been passed down to me. And, you know, she ended up fainting and crying. And, and it was it was a drama of a moment. And I remember very clearly my mom looking at me and saying, oh, no, not you too. And I had no idea what she was talking about. So I went to go and play video games with my older brother, like, you know, <laughs> any kid does. Um, but it wasn't until I was in my 20s that, you know, my early 20s that I went, all right, I'm not getting away from this. You know, I had so many things happen growing up. Uh, so many, in fact, that I wrote a whole book about it because there was so many aha moments. And, you know, I, I've always, I've just always had the ability to kind of pick up on things around me. And then in my early 20s, I was like, well, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> you know, might as well embrace it. Yeah. And, you know, with it coming from a family background, then I take it you've got your support system for your family. So was it something that you did together then to how to harness this gift and how you move forward with it? Was there certain things family would teach you? Um, not really, to be honest. Um, <laughs> we all had kind of our own different gifts. So my yeah. mom would get premonitions before people in the family would pass away or she'd get these really vivid dreams, lucid dreams, and then it would happen. Um, for me, on the other hand, I'm clairaudient, so I can hear them. Um, I very rarely see them, but I'm also claircognizant, which means I get information as though it's my own memories. So my mom didn't know how to explain that to me because she didn't have that happen. So she would yeah. explain things that happened to her. Um, but everybody in our family, everyone's done tarot reading or tea leaf reading. And so I kind of learned a bit you know from each family member and and throughout the years but i ended up being probably uh the most developed with my spidey senses in the family so i ended up helping everybody else <laughs> yeah that's brilliant and you know from where you were brought up born you know zimbabwe africa you know i don't imagine the sort of culture is a paranormal culture if you know what i mean to Compared to what we have here, yeah. you know, what was it like for you growing up then? Was it something that you had to shy away from and, yeah. you know, suppress who you really were? Absolutely. Um, you could never walk around saying that you could communicate with the other side. It was very, very taboo in Zimbabwe and South Africa. And to a point, it still is. Now, I mean, I started my paranormal journey there and I, I did have some great mentors that I met along the way outside of our family. You know, great psychic mediums and tarot readers and tea leaf readers and things that really helped me on my journey. But it was all very hush hush. 
And I remember mm. picking up on things at school when I was in primary school and my mom having to be called into the school because I was frightening all the other children and the teachers by telling them ghost stories. And I was like oh, wow. eight years old. <laughs> But I wasn't telling them stories. I was telling them about the woman that used to haunt our school. Like, no, no, there she is. And it would freak people out. So, you know, my parents got called in numerous times to um, get me to shut up about the paranormal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I guess to a point we would discuss it, but it was all ghost stories and not really real. Mm -hmm. And now having got back from Africa a few weeks ago to see the difference in how paranormal pop culture has just opened up the paranormal world in Southern Africa, it's completely different. You know, now you have people, you actually have paranormal investigating teams in South Africa, which makes my heart so happy that you have people who go out and investigate these locations now, but you know, it's it's growing it's getting better it wasn't like that when i grew up though you had to keep it under wraps and i you know we were talking briefly about that in the background before we started and one thing that you mentioned that it it was a case that you decided to move away from africa and that's how you ended up coming to the uk absolutely i could Um, never be myself there i couldn't say that i was a psychic medium and i always felt like there was a big part of me that was missing you know you you can't be who you really are and and i'm very bluntly straightforward and honest so it was really (laughs) hard to keep a lid on it and i eventually started traveling the world i got to england i met another psychic medium and i walked up to her and i was like oh my god you're like me and she was like yeah do you want my business card and I was like, what do you mean business card? Like you advertise? <laughs> I'm moving here. <laughs> and I did. It, it must have been a sense of relief for you then, like a big weight lifted off your shoulders to be able to be who you really wanted to be. And, you know, and you've done phenomenally well through that since, you know, you've been able to be who you are. Um but the culture of the paranormal, so if we compare it to we know what it was like in Africa. You know, you've come over to the UK where the culture is a lot different when it comes to the paranormal. And I think even now it's it's developing even more, more people getting into it, you know. But how did you begin your journey in the UK to become a paranormal investigator? How did you, you know, did you go through learning the equipment? Because I know over in Africa, they may have not had the equipment like they do here. So what was your steps to get into the field in the UK? Um, well, I got into it straight away when, you know, I figured out I could be myself here. And my first thing was, all right, let's go out and buy a whole bunch of equipment. Let's learn about it. Let's figure out how it works. Let's understand it so Mm -hmm. that you essentially can use it in the dark without having put all the lights on and everything. You've got to know your equipment and, and exactly what it's supposed to detect. So I very much started there and started doing a lot of research. I started with EVP work, mainly because if anyone knows me, I can talk the hind legs off a donkey. I love talking. (laughs) And so EVP was naturally my thing because I could hear them. I wanted to record their voices for other people to hear. So I started doing a lot of EVP work at some haunted hotels and things around my house. And from there, I was like, okay, it's kind of lonely doing this on your own. (laughs) 
So I met up with other people, started investigating with other teams, started, you know, my own team, Sage, um, and then explored all over the UK, all over Europe, all over the United States, and back home. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I started very much with EVP work, and, and I, I fell into television. I was cast for a show. Um, they asked me if I wanted to be on Paranormal Captured. Um, and then it kind of escalated from there. But I um, I fell into television thanks to Nick Groff from Paranormal Lockdown and all of that. Um, Nick and them needed some help with Paranormal Lockdown when they came to the UK. And he contacted me and asked me if I would help out with locations and put him in touch with people. And, and so I ended up working on the show and I was like, kind of like this TV organizing thing. This is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And it's amazing how you've gone from a culture that you couldn't be yourself to a culture where, you know, for you it's exploded and, you know, yeah. you're, you're getting yeah. opportunities. Um, you know, a, a question from Alison, um, uh, MJ, what is your best location to invest or best location I don't know if that's to investigate anywhere in the world that you haven't done yet oh my goodness so many places I haven't done yet I have a bucket list like a mile long are you kidding I want to go everywhere um <laughs> what is my dream location oh wow um Waverly Hill Sanitarium in Kentucky is pretty high up there um, oh my goodness, uh, Trans Allegheny Asylum is great, it's right up there. Queen Mary, I mean, who doesn't want to investigate the Queen Mary, right? Mm -hmm, um, in the UK, I'd say Chillingham Castle. I've never been to, Ch I've never investigated Chillingham. Uh, I'd really like to do that. Oh my gosh, um, Harriman Hospital is right up there. Um, I know John and them have recently, yes. Got to take me yeah, to the John, John says, as you said that, John come up in his <laughs> insult. You know, as you just said that, he, he come <laughs> up with it. Um, um, oh my gosh, so many. So, so, so many. There's I, places I think, in Europe I'd like to go as well. So. I think when it comes to locations, we're spoiled for choice. You know, if we can get there, it's there's so many different types of location. You got the old hospitals, asylums, everything. So it's, it's one of those hard ones. You don't, you can't just pick one because there's so many. No, um, like castles and prisons and everything. <laughs> and with, with investigations that you've done today, is there a particular favorite one that you've done? Like one location that sticks out to you as one of the best pieces of evidence that you've captured or? One. Yeah. One. Um. Top five? Go, go for it. If you've got five, okay. we can go with five. Draglow Tunnels in Kidderminster will always be one of my favourite locations in the world. Unfortunately, you can no longer go there. Bodman mm. um, Jail in Cornwall, hands down one of my favourites. The Skirret Inn in Wales. Um, definitely, speaking of, hey, John, uh, St mm. Albans Asylum. I actually did St Albans with John, who's just popped up. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, St. Albans was definitely one of my favorite places. It was a really cool investigation. Um, and Belgrove Plantation, where we host Sage Paracon, that has got to be one of my favorites in the world. Right. Yeah, Warwick Castle, like there's so many. I can I can keep going. 
And with them, because we're not just talking about skills of using equipment, you know, like for me, I, I rely on, you know, EVPs you know, using certain equipment. But sometimes when you go into a, a location, do you feel that you get overwhelmed because you have the psychic abilities with it as well? You know, how do you go into a location and how do you control what I know it's hard to control everything, but do you have a process that you go into before starting an investigation to try and help your mind not get overwhelmed? It depends very much on the location. Most of the time I'm able to keep a really good balance between the psychic side and tech. And the psychic side is great for walking into a location and going, okay, you know, these are the hot spots. These are the rooms where I think whoever's here is really talkative. I can hear them. This is a great room for EVP. So I'm going to focus on audio there. Or I might walk into a place and start receiving a lot of visions. And I feel like, all right, if there's any chances of capturing something on camera, it's more than likely going to be in this room, you know, or seeing shadow figures out the corner of my eye or whatever the case is. So I've kind of learned how to balance the two and validate what I'm picking up psychically. So, you know, I could walk in and say to you, hey, there's a guy in here that's a little grumpy. So... Our EVPs are probably going to be a lot of get outs and FUs and because I can hear him. But then yeah. you record it. And when you get those EVPs, you're like, OK, validation. It also helps that they realize that I don't need the tech. So they start conversing a little more. They kind of get a bit chatty and they're like, oh, yeah, so you can hear us. Like, OK, like, let's see how good you are. <laughs> and I'll have great conversations with them. And then I'm like, all right, guys, seriously, now we're going to record it. Um, I don't know if it's just because I talk so damn much that eventually they're like, for God's sake, somebody just answer her. Like, <laughs> just just speak into the little box so she can go away. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what it is, but I tend to get quite a few EVPs. Um, yeah. I think it's a, you know. A good balance and yeah sometimes you have to put more controls in place sometimes the psychic side might be really over overwhelming so i have to kind of shut that down and rely only on tech which was very much the case in um saint alban's asylum there were a few areas that were like really intense and i had to kind of shut that off and just focus on the tech so but we got really cool evps and stuff so yeah that sounds amazing. And before going into locations, um, you know, have you ever had an experience where a spirit's come to you before you've actually gone into the location and they introduce themselves in a way that you didn't expect and then you realize and validate it when you get there? Is there an experience that you could tell us of that? Literally happened not even two months, three months ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one of the more recent ones. I've had it in the past, plenty. I used to have uh, some of the spirits from Drake Low Tunnels would come to my house. Warwick Castle, they came to my house. Um, some of the guys from Bodman Jail ended up at my house. So they came and introduced themselves beforehand. Um, but recently I investigated an old inn called the Mary Arden Inn. And I'm actually back there this Friday. Oh, wow. And about a week before, I had no intention of going to this inn, by the way. I'd been trying to get in there for eight years and they kept saying no. 
They refuse to have anything paranormal going on there. And I woke up the one day with uh, my guide saying, you need to go. And I was like, oh, why? Like, they won't let me in. What's the point? And then I started seeing this spirit of this guy pacing up and down um, outside our house for like four days. And I was like, all right, dude, talk to me. <laughs> like, who are you? Where are you from? And my mom actually, well, she lives with us. And my mom was like, there is this really weird lady that came and woke me up. And all she said was, tell her. And she's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to tell you, but there's a dead person looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's quite normal in our house and I woke up to take my husband to work and my guide was literally in my face going you need to go there now I got to the location um introduced myself told them I wanted to do all things paranormal and they were like hell yeah <laughs> okay and I was a bit like oh we're, we're doing this okay so we set up a night that I could go in there completely on my own, alone, 11 bedroom in. And I sat down in each of the rooms and I did a spirit box session. I did EVP. I tried other equipment, but um, it's the first time in my life that a ghost has called me weird. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, I had a back and forth conversation and it's actually on my TikTok. And it's a whole spirit box session that I did in one bedroom. It's about five minutes long. And I said to them, um, whoever is here, like, how many spirits are here? And they said, five. I'm like, okay. I'm like, did you guys come to my house? And a male voice said, yeah, we came to you. And I was like, okay, cool. I was like, well, the people that came to the house, are you here? Like, are they here? And they said, yes. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, so, yeah. I've had them come to my house and tell me to go to a location that's never been investigated. So it's pretty cool. That, that <laughs> is cool. That is amazing. But then, you know, with your abilities, there must have there must be the disadvantages of things because you you open up and I you open up quite you're very open to what's going on your, with your surroundings. But then we're moving into the darker side of things when you're thinking about not the so nice spirits or, you know, even treading into like demonic entities. Mm -hmm. How do you, how can you, firstly, how do you tell the difference between, uh, shall we say, a good spirit to a not so good or demonic entity? How can you tell what you're dealing with? I can personally say that I have never come across a demon, an actual demonic entity. Um, I say that with confidence. I mean, I could be completely wrong. He could have been there, you know, the whole time. And I'm like, oh, it's nothing. <laughs> um, so in, to my knowledge, I have never come, come across a demon. Um, I think that's just a whole different level. And it, it always makes me laugh because I work in TV and everything is hashtag it's a demon. You know, they're seeing them everywhere. Um, I've never really had that kind of an encounter with something that dark. I have had encounters with elemental spirits who have never been human and they can be a bit mischievous. They can be a bit um, playful. They can, they can scare you and kind of notice that they're poking the bear. So they continue to do it. Um, I've had run-ins with lower level energies that are, 
you know, just a bit of an a-hole, really. Just like we have good and bad people in this world, you know, we have the yeah. same that side. You know, someone that is a serial killer, you know, rapist murderer that's been in Shepton Mallet prison for years and then dies, he's not all of a sudden sunshine and rainbows on the other side. You know, you go and investigate Shepton Mallet prison and you're going to have a run-in with a couple of choice characters there that are a little bit weird and a little bit aggressive and particularly towards women. So, you know, I've had encounters where I've had to shut my spidey senses down and, you know, put full protection on and be like, all right, guys, that's it. We're done. Step away. I've had things follow me home and I've had to deal with some creepy things. Never a demon. Touch wood. <laughs> do, do you know, it, I, I like the way you've stepped into that because a lot of people, as soon as something bad happens, they it is highlighted as demonic. And, you know, I've done a lot of investigations with, with Portal to the Paranormal. We we do everything. We try and work out and debunk our own stuff. But, yeah. you know, I, I can never say anything. Yes, you get the, like, you can tell someone doesn't want you there. They, they make it quite clear through the spirit box. You know, we've had yeah. that. Um, and one of the locations you mentioned, Shepton Mallet, a great location. We we did an investigation there and we decided to um, <laughs> walk to one of the cell blocks on our own. I think it was cell block C. Mm -hmm. And we went to one of the prisons and there was like this shadow figure just popped his head out like, like a big sack. And do you know what? I'll be honest. I screamed. It, it just caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting it, you know, but again, I, demonic demons you know i can't say that we've encountered anything like that either i investigated shepton mallet and the skirred inn with richard estep and he wrote the book spirits behind bars so you can check this out on amazon it's a great book but this is basically we spent um four nights in the skirred inn and four nights in shepton mallet and let me tell you there were a couple of moments of shepton mallet maybe like three in the four nights that we were there that actually shut me up, which takes a lot. Um, <laughs> but one of them, I had something actually grab me and I jumped, I screamed because I was like, what the hell? And everybody, I was standing facing a group of people and they all saw the shadow run up towards me. Like they all witnessed it at the same time that it happened. So that was really intense. But I uh, I also saw a full-bodied apparition in A Block at Shepton Mallet and had phantom footsteps walk right up to myself and Richard. That was recorded on, on recorders. It was so clear, such pronounced boot steps walked through the courtyard towards us. It was insane. Um, but yeah, you can you can check out Spirits Behind Bars. It's a great book. You know, and like you said as well, you know, it doesn't matter how many times something like that happens. It's like it's the first time all the time. It's, it's brilliant. Um, you know, um, a message on here, just want to read out, was, what's up, Nando? Hi. I think that's Todd. Yeah, Todd. Uh, we have come across a lot of nasty um, entities the last few years. I don't know if they are real demons or bully spirits trying to scare the living and the dead. The more I do this, the more... I'm starting to think some of the things we deal with are some sort of uh, beings that we don't understand yet. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree with like, that. I will say the paranormal, I don't think anyone could, any of us can really say that we are 
experts in the paranormal because there's so many things I think. There's no such thing as an expert, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's such a wide industry. There's still yeah. loads that we're learning. Um, but for you then, you know, one of the questions that I would love to ask you and is your advice to someone that's grown up having the same sort of starter in the paranormal field, what advice would you give them to help them through it and how to harness and deal with it? Oh my gosh. Um, you know what, whether you have grown up with the paranormal or whether you're just getting into it, one of the first things you need to understand is that we don't really know what we're dealing with on the other side, right? So no matter what you do, you need to approach with caution. And a lot of people make mistakes when they they get comfortable with the location. I mean, I'm guilty for it. You know, you get comfortable with the location, you get comfortable with the few spirits that you get to know there, and you let your guard down. Um, and I think the most important thing, just to start off with, before you go into anything, is learn how to protect yourself first. You know, learn how to keep yourself grounded, learn the warning signs of what if something gets too close to you. Just what what could possibly go wrong, you know? Understanding how you can prevent that first before you, you grab your equipment and a T-shirt that's probably three sizes too small and black to <laughs> run off into a location. Just make sure you can protect yourself because bad things happen. And then, you know, we get the phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so please don't just run into a place. Um, honestly, learn as much as you can. I spent years with my nose in books and researching before I even stepped into a location to investigate. And the more you can read and from credible sources, don't believe just everything you read on the internet, because unfortunately, there's a lot of nonsense out there. Um, I'm doing well filtering myself tonight. Um, <laughs> But read as much as you can and learn from people who have been doing this for several years. You know, pick their brain, listen to their podcasts, um, go to conventions. Paranormal conventions changed my life. Not hosting them, attending them. Hosting them did too, but different story. You know, I attended every paranormal convention that I possibly could until I learned enough to not only host my own convention, but to step out into the world of investigating and dig a little bit deeper. You get to learn from so many incredible speakers at these events with decades of knowledge that they can pass down. So just learn before you before you run out there, before you decide, you know what, I know exactly what's haunting this place. I can guarantee I have my mind blown on a daily basis researching the paranormal. There's no ways you can pinpoint exactly what it is without more research. Definitely. And Ian's just put in there, um, in the paranormal field, we are only aware of the tip of the iceberg. There is plenty yeah. more we don't know about. And I agree um, yeah. with that, Ian. Um, John's just said, just quickly, my thanks to you. MJ, without your help and advice, I don't think I would have handled some things that have happened. Oh, well, that's a nice comment. Recently, oh, very well. It is, it is great to be able to share your knowledge and help other people, you know. It's just in 
a different kind of field completely. You know, you've got people like the nurses, you've got your doctors. I'm a paranormal investigator. I'm a psychic medium. I'm going to help you. And it's it really does work and it really does help people. Um, and moving on to that, you know, you've even written a book um, and I've been based around your experiences, which is called, I'm just going to get it up, Never Goodbye, Only Good Night, Lessons yeah. from the Afterlife. And if I read it right, it's a lot about your experiences growing up and how... Big old book. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my my author coffee. So it's got the not for resale on here. Um, so it is eighty five stories. Uh, there they're about, and it's it's each of my aha moments growing up. You know, some of the some of the experiences were really subtle, like a light switching on, or, and I was like, well, hell, they can turn things on. Others were more intense, and through investigating, through mediumship, through developing my psychic abilities there's so many moments in that book that i call them my wtf moments because i i say that a lot in the book I'm like, what the hell was that <laughs> um thank you tyler i appreciate that but it's it's basically all my big aha moments no matter how small an event or how big the event was that really taught me a lot about the paranormal or to look at it from a different perspective so you know if you want to learn how i went about it this is just my journey this is some of the information that i've that i've understood uh through all the years of doing this you know first time run-ins with elemental spirits i was like what the hell is this mm. <laughs> so, or first time that i had something physically harm me and i was like wow that can actually happen holy crap you know, there were so many of those moments. And I basically just put them all in a book and went, this is what I did. This is how I learned. I hope it helps you. And if it helps one person, my job's done. Well, um, just to mention uh, our friends from the Patrol Paranormal. Oh, thank you. Um, and I believe you can find your book on Amazon. Is that correct? Yes, available uh, on Amazon worldwide. Brilliant. Um, you know, so definitely head over. I've had a brief read of the back of it that you sent me. Um, and it's a book that I will order because, you know, was the book a sort of a platform for you as well to release all the stuff that you couldn't? Was it like, yeah. you, hey, do you know what? I've held this in for too long. I'm going to write it down and just share it with everyone now because I haven't been able to do it before. Yeah, pretty much. You know, it took me six years to write it. Um, and that's only partially because, one, I thought, who the hell's going to read this crap? <laughs> I was like, I am not an author. Yeah. I, I'm not a great writer, so I deleted it, I don't know how many times, and restarted it over, like, a decade. Um, and eventually, uh, there's another paranormal author, and if you don't know him, you need to check him out, Richard Estep. He is a phenomenal author, and he's written over, like, 35 books. It's ridiculous. Like, he turns a book out in two weeks. Wow. Literally, this book he wrote on the road in nine days while we were doing it. He literally wrote it while we did it. Amazing. Um, and he was like, you need to write. You have to do it. So he gave me a firm kick up the butt and um, messaged me almost every day. Like, what is your word count? <laughs> like, what have you written today? What are you doing? Why haven't you? Um, so if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have written that book. Um, I, I had so much that I wanted to get out there. I just didn't know how to do it. And then, too, I had 
so many people that would ask me questions about how I got started. And I thought, I answer that a lot. Like, I'm just going to stick it in a book for everybody and go, have at it. (laughs) And it it seems that, you know, people have put in some lovely comments about the book. And, you know, by the sounds of it, this could be a book that could help people, you know, that have experienced the same thing and how you've gone through your journey. It's like a journal for you in a way. Basically, Um, I feel like the world's reading my diary. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, it's brave as well, because like you said, you've come from a culture where you couldn't, be as free as what you wanted to be to it might was it scary for you at the same time when you went to I've done the book now it's time to get it published was it a scary moment for you <laughs> my editor's <laughs> actually watching this okay <laughs> Joanna in the comments is my book editor um she <laughs> telling you how many times I had a complete freak out session <laughs> And I emailed her going, I'm not doing it, can't do it, not going to do it, can't do this, (laughs) (laughs) panic. Um, You know, between Joanna and and Richard, they they really pushed me to do it. But my whole tribe, the Sage tribe, you know, everybody who's come to my events, part of my Patreon, who's who's supported me for so many years, I have all of them to thank for it. Um, You know, my Patreon guys got to read chapters of the book before it was released, you know, first draft when it's raw and you're just kind of got verbal diarrhea and just putting it out on a page. Um, so they got to read all of that. Joanna worked her magic and made me sound like an intelligent human being, um, <laughs> <laughs> not a complete Neanderthal. Um, so it was, it's a, it's a tribe effort, honestly. If it, were, it wasn't for all of these guys, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have done it. Well, do you know what? Everyone everyone in the room is pleased that you did it. We're all pleased because we get to learn about your experience and it's absolutely great. Um, there is a question that I just want to touch on that was asked. I've just got to go. Uh, so Rick has asked, are you more su- susceptible to attachments if you are sensitive? Um, I'm going to go with yes in this case. I wouldn't say it's just because you're more sensitive, but... Um, Thanks, Joe. Um, I think it's because you're you're just more open to it. You know, anybody, you don't have to be sensitive. You can just be very into the paranormal. You know, when you stare into the abyss, the abyss stares back. You know, once you open that door to the paranormal and the more you dig into it, the more it takes note of you. So I wouldn't necessarily say you're more susceptible to attachments only because you're sensitive. I think anybody who delves into the world of paranormal needs to be wary. Um, And I guess, you know, the difference is that it might come across that if you're sensitive, you're more susceptible only because when you're sensitive, you realize it, right? So Mm. when something attaches to you, you go, I'm not feeling myself. My energy feels off. Things feel different. So your natural thing is, okay, like psychic check-in, is everything okay? Or what the hell's around me? Or what's kind of got its claws into me? Whereas if you're a psychic as a doorknob and you rely on tech, you're like, just in a bad mood today. Yeah. Just in a bad mood the next day. Just in a bad mood the next day. You know what I mean? So you don't really go, oh, it's an attachment. You go, just having a day that's a bit off. That's all. So I think sensitive people just talk about it more. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the thing. A lot of people tend to ignore it because 
they don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's why it's important for people like yourself, you know, gone through that to share it and make it, it's actually more normal than you think. You know, mm-hmm. it's just finding that right group of people that will give you the right support, which, yeah, absolutely. you know, with the love in the room for you tonight is absolutely amazing. Um, so I that's great. <laughs> And you know, so I'm going from TV, directing, producing, and then you've got your Paracons, the Sage Paracon. How did that get started? Because you do it not only just in the UK, but you also go over to the US and do it as well. I do. How did that get off for you? Um, so I, uh, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer in oh, wow. 2015. And so I had ovarian cancer that spread through my lymphatic system up my spine. And basically, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> um, but when I was going through chemotherapy, um, I needed something to look forward to. I needed something like light at the end of the tunnel that wasn't a train wreck. <laughs> you know. So I decided if I was going to die, I was going out with a bang. And I put together my first paranormal convention. It was supposed to be a weekend of everybody who loves all things weird, just to have an epic weekend. And if that was the last weekend I ever saw, I was happy. Um, And it kept me busy in hospital, going through chemo. Um, You know, planning an event is a lot of work and I didn't realize at the time how much work. (laughs) (laughs) So I spent all my time in a hospital bed putting the first Sage Paracon together. I scheduled it for two weeks after my last chemotherapy session. I was determined to get there. And I looked like Gollum. I was a complete baldy locks. I had like no hair, no eyelashes. We did a uh, Macmillan braids the shave. Um, We did all sorts of really cool stuff for Macmillan over the weekend. We had live music and we had like 10 bands playing or something as well. And the weekend was amazing. Um, I obviously survived. Otherwise, this would be quite awkward. And, you know, everybody at the end of the weekend went, that was amazing. When's the next one? And I was like, what next one? I didn't think I was going to make this one. (laughs) Wow. So, um, And then it became a celebration of my new life, my second life. Um, it became a celebration every year of, hey, I kicked cancer's ass and I'm still here. And it just created a really cool tribe of people. And we all get together and have an epic weekend of all things really strange and weird. There's everything from psychic mediums, psychic demonstrations, cryptids, aliens, investigating the paranormal, tech, how-to guides, the occult, witchcraft anything weird so we have speakers from around the world we have an epic vip party which is legendary with karaoke and all sorts um yeah and it's a great weekend you know we investigate we have a vip dinner with a full theater production like a whole show during dinner it's super fun it's a great weekend and then a lot of people in america went well we want a sage paracon (laughs) so um I got together with Belgrove Plantation in King George, Virginia. They are amazing. Michelle and Brett and Tyler, the whole family, everybody's absolutely brilliant. And we put together Sage Paracon USA. And it was great. And we went, hey, let's do it again. So, yeah, that kind of 
what, what an amazing, you know, what an amazing and inspirational <laughs> story, really, to how it all. Because I, I didn't know about that. That wasn't, you know, <laughs> and the, the way you've turned something so scary and you just look for the positives out of everything. You know, that was like your medicine in a way to to your road to recovery. Um, it honestly was. It really and, was. Um, my tribe got me through it. <laughs> and thank you for sharing that as well. You know, that's an amazing, amazing story. Um, Emma's just popped in. the oh, uh, UK Paracon last year was awesome. Uh, John Sage Paracon is the best, um, which is absolutely great. There's a lot of people in the comments that come to yeah, Sage yeah. Paracon. <laughs> I am trying to catch up with everyone, I promise you. Um, seeing MJ and Richard working together is amazing. I love witnessing when they do remote viewing, being a being her patron. Uh, we have benefits of witnessing some of this, as well as being able to join in at times, which is great. Um, perfect. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then it takes you up to your most recent project that you know, Africa. You've gone back to Africa. Now, before we go into that, I'm actually gonna like do a bit of an interval, but we're actually gonna play MJ's new video that she's released um, for her project in Africa. So I'm just gonna get that up, and you know, it's a great video, guys. So please do watch it and. Everything was filmed by MJ as well, just to let you all guys know, and it's great. So I'm just gonna play that now. captured it you know it, it's absolutely stunning um sarah um my wife she's just put wow um, thank you so much i appreciate that um again there's quite a few comments mj remote viewing stuff is awesome 
Um, uh, I am waiting <laughs> for research on the horror in the basement. Brilliant. The Sally um, house. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, the patrol again. Everyone's putting wow. Well. Um, you know, everyone's loving the video. And I said this before. What an experience! Firstly, what made you want to go back? I know it's your home. Your, oh your home, <laughs> but to go back from what you experienced in early life, how how was it going back? Was it different now? Their their beliefs in the paranormal. What what has changed? So there's two sides to the paranormal in Southern Africa. One, you have the African culture that is very much open to it. They have some gomas, witch doctors, you know, that that fully use witchcraft to curse people to heal people and even some cases kill people um mm. there's a lot of witchcraft in southern africa and a lot of working with your ancestors and, and dealing with spirits in different ways but there's not so much a paranormal pop culture as in investigating the paranormal with tech and that sort of thing so it's two very different sides of the paranormal um and i wanted to explore both of those now, my patrons, um, there's quite a few of the guys in the comments who are actually part of my Patreon page. All of my research goes on Patreon. All of the remote viewing work that I do with Richard Estep, psychic remote viewing, all of the, any of the, my adventures, I take them on investigations with me. And they actually got to watch the first episode of Supernatural Africa on Saturday night. Um, so. I covered everything from, I met, I'm trying not to give too much away for the next episode, actually. Um, I covered everything from mermaids in Zimbabwe. Like, they have an actual mermaid problem in, in Zimbabwe. They've stopped work on various dams and lakes. The prime minister stopped work due to the fact that workers were being tormented by mermaids. And they had to down tools, you know, so cryptids there, there's a lot of very real things. There's a very strong belief in the river god, the Nyami Nyami, which is basically like their version of Nessie. Um, so I just, I went in and I explored everything I could about the Nyami Nyami. Um, I found out about the mermaids. I went into this rabbit hole um, of research regarding the aerial school alien landing, the incident, where it's one of the most well-documented UFO landings in the world, happened in Zimbabwe in a very rural little town called Rua at one of the primary schools. And 62 children saw a craft land at the end of their school playground and witnessed two beings climbing out of it. But I actually got in touch with one of the witnesses herself like genuinely got to speak with her um about what she had seen and then which led me on to somebody else who had witnessed the craft the night before they landed at the school and i dug into news reports i dug into all sorts of things um i sat down with a traditional sangoma um who actually has killed people using witchcraft and there was a moment where I was sat in this room with him, asking him about how he does things, where I realized, like, oh, my God, this is a killer. I'm literally sat in the room with a killer. 
he sends spirits out to kill people. <laughs> this is insane. Um, and then I went to the Chinoy Caves, which is the sacred cave where um, they still hold rituals and things in the cave system. You know, there's there's so much more to the supernatural side of Africa than people think. Um, yeah, anything from, I've, I captured some EVPs in Shona, like the African language, some of the words were in Shona, which is really cool, to sitting down with a 92-year-old juju lady that does healings and curses and all sorts, using all sorts of herbs and barks and things. So I, I just interviewed everybody that I could, literally went down these rabbit holes of research and one thing led me to the next, led me to the next. And I kind of filmed all of it to share with my patrons and for my next book, which is Beneath the African Sky. It's all about supernatural Africa. It's literally the whole journey as it happened, as it happened. and some extras. <laughs> so Sarah's just asked, um, do Africans communicate with rituals and sacrifice, chants, music, dance, smoke? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, not all the time, but you'll generally find that um, in the African culture, anytime they, for instance, uh, the elders will go up into the mountain range to do a rain ritual um, in times of drought. And all the elders of the village will go up into the mountain together. There is very much a ceremony that takes place. There are various rituals. It all involves a lot of dancing, a lot of singing, a lot of praying, and a lot of African beer, um, homemade African beer. Um, and they worship their ancestors. So the best way that they explained it to me, actually, was if you're Christian, you pray to Jesus. And Jesus kind of then takes it upstairs to the big guy. You know, a lot of people pray directly to God. But you go to church and you worship Jesus and you worship God. And in their culture, they don't go through Jesus. They go through their ancestors. So they worship their grandfather or any of their ancestors. And they work through their ancestors to a higher power. Um, so it's very different. It's very interesting. Uh, just sitting down actually episode two um that is all about african beliefs and some of the rituals that they do burial traditions because they have some really unique burial traditions that's really cool um yeah it's just there's there's so much to to africa um and i'm hoping to go back in march next year and do a follow-up on everything and investigate some really cool locations too. So, yeah. And what do you think's made the culture change? Like how, what do you think has made them move in time to not really, to, like it was a taboo subject to now, they have their own ripples, they, they, they ancestors. What's changed well, I mean, their thought process? That's, that's always been there. That is African culture. That is African tradition that has been there for thousands of years. That is the way they do it but they don't talk about it. It's not uh, something that yeah. is openly discussed. Whereas, you know, if you go on more um, African side of Zimbabwe and South Africa and the English side of things, you're going to find that people are exceptionally Christian. So anything to do with the paranormal, that's where the taboo side comes in. Like if you say, 
um, that you can communicate with the other side, they they tend to throw the Bible at you very quickly. And now, thanks to paranormal shows that have started airing in South Africa, it's mainly paranormal television, paranormal pop culture has opened that side of it up. So now you have psychic mediums who are advertising that they're psychic mediums and doing tarot readings. And now you have teams like I think there's two, maybe three paranormal teams in South Africa that I know of now. I'm, I'm actually hoping to interview one of the teams this week just to find out like, oh, my God. I wasn't allowed to investigate the paranormal <laughs> when I was there. Like, this is not fair. I need to go back and do that. Because I could never do that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But they're able to now. And that is beyond epic. So I want to find out from them, you know, just how much paranormal culture has expanded. How much paranormal pop culture has influenced the fact that they can do all of these. And kind of what's South Africa like now? Let's test the waters. Yeah. It, it sounds like it's been an amazing experience because you spent a month out there, didn't you? Um, yes. And did you did you go on your own or was it someone that you had like family that went with you as well? How? Uh, this was actually my vacation. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, you know, putting a full documentary series together and <laughs> writing a book. Um, it was actually my family vacation, and uh, I went for a bit of a sad reason, but also. Um, a very freeing reason, shall I say. I actually went home with my family to spread my dad and my brother's ashes. And it was something that we had wanted to do for quite some time. The family never felt ready. And we wanted to spread their ashes in the Great Zambezi River because we grew up fishing on that river. We grew up having family holidays on that river. Um, You know, some of my favorite memories ever with my family are all around the Zambezi and so we took the ashes home with us and I figured uh, my mom and I went up a week before everybody else arrived and I was like I'm gonna explore all things supernatural for a week just a week and then you know do my family holiday well (laughs) I got a bit carried away (laughs) um yeah and then you know we we spent the first week doing all things supernatural and paranormal and exploring. The rest of the family arrived and we went to the river, we spread the ashes. And then I was like, okay, that's done. That's great. I feel better. Now what? And anyone who knows me knows I'm a complete workaholic. So throughout my vacation, I continued to put things together. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it wasn't just like a, oh, hey, let's go and, and, explore that for a month it was it was for a specific reason yeah a lovely reason as well you know to to go back and you know i'm sure that's where your dad and your brother would have wanted to be where they where they lived it's gone isn't it and you know and no doubt i do believe that their spirit will live on because you know and they'll be where that i still think they'll be with us i think i do i don't know if you believe this but I believe spirits can travel to wherever they want to oh, be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they so, really do. They, I mean, my dad and my brother pop in and say hi on a regular basis. So, you know, we're all good. <laughs> it was awesome. just, you know, people, it's funny to me. Maybe it's because of the mediumship side, right? Everybody in the family was like, oh, we've got to spread the ashes. It's so sad. It's so, you know, 
dramatic. And I was like, why? They're, they're like here. <laughs> like, what's the ashes got to do with it? You know? Um, so for me, it was quite, it was just freeing, I guess, you know, just a relief that everybody else in the family is at ease and it's what everybody wanted. And I feel like there's a lot of closure because of it, but I don't, I don't believe that, you know, just because we've done that, it makes everything change. They're, they're still going to give me hell from the other side anyway. So. <laughs> On that note, um, you know, we're, we're talking about seeing red. I, I'm no way, shape or form uh, a medium or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I can, you know, I've had experiences where, um, and one that is a big one I always talk about is we we're at home one evening, my kids, um, my wife, they're all in bed. And I was sat in the front room watching some TV. Mm -hmm. And do you know like the big wooden doors that you got really pushed down the handle to open? So it's not going to mm -hmm. open with a bit of draft. The door opened and my grandfather come through, a full apparition of my grandfather. And it's one of the one of the experiences that really sticks out to me because everything he was wearing is what he would wear when yeah. he was here with us. But my question is, is the spirits here with us because that's what we want and they're stuck here? Or do you think they can choose to come back and forth? Like, So they are at peace, but they choose to come back to us every so often just to let us know that we're, they're here still? What's your yeah. opinion? So that's very much the difference between a spirit and a ghost, in my opinion. So a ghost is somebody who is trapped within a location. Say, for instance, they, they had a traumatic death or they they're not ready to let go. You know, maybe Grandma Joe still has unfinished business and she ain't going nowhere. Like she's going to stick around. Um, and sometimes that is the case, you know, for family and for spirits of haunted locations. But majority of the time they have crossed over and they are at peace and they have the ability to come back and visit us. And, you know, it's going back to the first time my dad came through to me after he passed away. And I was really angry. I was so angry because he picked the worst time, first of all. And um, I was at work. I was working in a restaurant. It was a Saturday night. Our restaurant was completely full. And I had just spoken to a table and cleared some plates away. And I turned around to walk to the kitchen. And my dad was stood in the middle of the restaurant. And he was very casually like, oh, hi, my girl. Listen, I can't stay long. You need to tell mom to move back to Zimbabwe and open her own restaurant. Okay, gotta go. Love you. Bye. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, literally 30 seconds, not even. He was stood in front of me that, like a, a person. Said what he had to say and he was gone. And I was like, no, no. Hi, my girl. I don't know. How are you dealing with the fact that I'm, you know, dead? <laughs> nothing like are you okay nothing I was so angry and it made me realize after that whole experience he didn't have time he popped in he said what he had to say which was life-changing for my mom and you know he kind of he helped out where he needed to mm. and he was gone they don't hang around and check in on us. They don't stick around because we keep them here. It's not our love and our grieving that makes them trapped. Um, I think they do just come and go as and when they can. And I'm sure they're real busy on the other side doing all sorts of really cool stuff.
Yeah, I, that, that's what I like to think that they they got their own little world now and they can just yeah. be at peace with everything, uh, which is great. But it was just one thing because every so often, if I've experienced something, it is related to family, and it just makes me think: Are they just here all the time, or do they get to come and go? And it's the same when you think about equipment. You know, we go to locations that date back hundreds of years, and the equipment go off. Do you think the spirits are learning from us by us telling them what it does? Do Do you think they watch us? Because I'm sure you've experienced where equipment's gone off. You've got a full battery, and then by the time you start, the battery's dead, and it's yeah. just like they've drained it. Do you think they're, that they're learning as we're going through these investigations as well? I can't tell you how many times I say to investigators, they go into a really old place and it's never been investigated before. And they're so excited. They take all of this new tech in and they get nothing. And they're like, but it's so old. I'm like, yeah, but did you tell them what it is? Like, you know, you're not a doctor. If I come up to you with a scalpel and go, hey, do surgery, you're going to be like, what the hell, man? How do I do this? <laughs> you, you can't just put something completely foreign in front of them and be like, okay, communicate. So you find that in, for instance, the Mary Arden, we've investigated that place a handful of times now. And I'm one of the only people that's ever investigated it. And I took the first groups in to investigate it. So when we got there, they were like, um, and I could hear them talking. They're like, what the hell's that? Like, how does that work? How much is going to walk up to that? Why would I walk up to that? I'm not going to touch that. What does it do? And so I had to sit there and literally go, okay, this is a REM pod. It's called a radiating electromagnetic pod. This antenna creates a field around it. If you break that, if you do this, if you, it cannot harm, harm you in any way. Like I had to take each piece of tech and teach it to the spirits as though I was teaching it to another investigator that was stood right in front of me. And after that, they were like, okay, like I got it. Cool. Let's do this. And we had epic EVPs and we had all the tech going off. But the first time I went there, they were all like, what the hell's that? So, you know, they do learn from us. They absolutely learn from us. And then you have it on the other side where you go to locations that have been investigated every night. You know, it's not just a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's like every day of the week they've got people in there. And these spirits are like, oh, for crying in a bucket. All right, I'll push the damn button. <laughs> they're like, here we go again. <laughs> my, my wife likes to say they're not performing monkeys. Yeah, no, they're not. And, you know, and repeatedly doing the same location, like, a lot, a lot throughout, like, say, if you was to do it nearly every day, do you think that affects the energy in the location? I think it depends largely on your attitude and the attitude of your group going in as well as the energy, right? If you look at witchcraft, intent is everything. A spell is just words written on a piece of paper and you mix a whole bunch of herbs and things together and that's not going to do anything, but it's your belief and your intent and your manifestation of what your outcome is, you know, what you want your spell to do, that gives it the power. If everybody believes in it, it works. <clears throat> so similar sort of thing with investigating the paranormal, right? 
if you walk into a place and you intend on telling their story, your intention is that you're going to go in there and you're going to communicate with whoever may be there and you fully want to believe in them, tell their story, get the word out, like help them find their closure. They know that. Mm. They pick that up. So if I intend on going in there to capture a class A EVP and just impress my mates and or I'm a complete skeptic and I'm there to debunk everything, why would I speak to you if I was on the other side? If all you cared about was that piece of evidence or if all you were there to do is disprove everything, why would I waste my time? Why would I bother? Definitely. So, you know, you'd look at it in a few different ways. Um, I go into a location, first and foremost, you need to debunk as much as you can. Not every knock, bump and creak is paranormal. I'm not saying believe in the paranormal blindly. No, on the contrary, you need to question everything. Because at the end of the day, whatever's left over that cannot be explained is therefore paranormal. But you need to rule out everything else. Mm. And depending on your attitude and your intent... I've gone into locations, especially when I was younger and I was arrogant and I'd go in like, I'm the EVP queen. Look at me. I'm going to get the best EVPs and I get nothing. But I'd go back there a week later and be like, tail between my legs. All right. Sorry, guys. That was a bit of a dick move. Let's just have a conversation. And I've had back and forth conversations and great EVPs. So your intent going into a location makes all the difference to your investigation. If you have one group that's constantly going in and they're only there for evidence and you have another group that keeps going in and their intention is to tell those stories, have a look at who gets more evidence. De- definitely. And you, like, like you said, you've got to be aware of your surroundings as well, like the kind of location. You know, yeah. like with tunnels, when you're down in the tunnels, sounds, if someone drops something on the other end, it travels and it changes the sound. Yeah. But, and people are very quick to say, this is something paranormal, but you've got to be... Yeah very level-headed with everything because you Absolutely. need to be sure but then there is evidence that we've picked up that you you just can't deny it. it's paranormal yeah. it's amazing i mean um, i had i had an instance um where i captured a full-bodied apparition on camera and it steps into a doorway and disappears and it is the coolest apparition ever except that i debunked it And I was really angry with myself because I debunked the apparition. And it was literally a trick of cameras, a trick of IR light, and perfect timing that another team member had walked through a location. It's such a split second of camera angles and and just epic lighting in that moment that made her look like a full-bodied apparition that disappeared. And everybody that I showed the clip to, they were like, oh, my God, that's the holy grail of activity. And I was like, not convinced. Uh, it's too good to be true. Mm. Like, I didn't pick up anything psychically. I mean, I picked up that there were normal people. But I didn't pick up anything psychically that there was an apparition there. So why is there one on camera, you know? Um, and then I debunked it. And I was really upset. I mean, no matter, No matter how amazing your evidence seems you still have to put the work in and debunk as much as you can you got unfortunately we, we've done it before where we thought we caught something and then when we look back at it you actually realize actually that's nothing you know and it 
but it just shows that the stuff that you're putting out there is the real stuff and that's what's important yeah. it's like when we stream live when we do our investigations and if nothing happens we'll just leave the stream up there to show this is yeah. what we've done tonight and nothing's happened it's just part of the part of the process some it's like, it's like a game in a way sometimes you're going to win a game sometimes you're going to lose a game it's yeah. you, know, you just got to see what happens on the night yeah but with equipment then because i know a lot of your stuff is based on yourself you use yourself as a tool which is great because it's one of the most important tools is yourself but looking at the tech side of things what is your favorite piece of tech to use hands down any recorder i am such an evp person it's ridiculous so i have a panasonic dr60 i've got panasonic qr80 i've got the olympus ws 811s i've got an h4n zoom i've got there are a bunch of others the what is it called um vp10 olympus vp10 i don't even know i have like a box of recorders and I love it. I love hearing their voices. So EVP is my go-to. It is my number one absolute favorite thing. And here's why. Because a single EVP can tell you if that person is male, female. Um, are they angry, happy, sad? What time periods are they from? You know, by their accents or by the way they're speaking, the you know, the words that they're using, you can tell so much about who you're communicating with from a single EVP. Yeah, I think EVP is um, a great tool to use. Um, I don't know if Jenny's still here. Um, Jenny from Emerald Isle Paranormal, she loves her EVPs. She, she even when we, we, we sometimes do a call, she's always got an EVP around her just in case something happens, you know, and it, she, she's caught some phenomenal evidence for the awesome. I love it. Agree. And is there a piece of equipment that you wouldn't like that you've tried and you think it's not for me? Mm -hmm. Um I don't do apps. I'm not a big app person. I think most of them are full of crap. I think a lot of them are just entertainment purposes only. Um so I'm not a big fan of apps. Um, and again, you know, it's not that I have anything against the equipment because if used correctly, it would be great. Hmm. Um, I just think there's so many people that run around and for instance, they've got REM pods or, uh, Mel meters or whatever EMF meter K2 meters, and you're doing a live stream, but the Wi-Fi affects the, the REM field. So that's setting your equipment off. So it's kind of counterproductive you're not really getting an accurate read yeah the lights are flashing and oh ah, there's a noise and everybody on the live stream is like oh, there's a ghost no <laughs> it could just be something completely normal you know it could just be the wi-fi or something that's affecting it or you don't know if there's an ambulance going by the radios are affecting it you don't know if there's taxis in the area whose radios might be affecting it you don't there's yeah, there's just so much that all tech has its faults. I mean, the DR60 recorder has its faults. If you don't do a factory reset on it every now and again, it tends to create these sort of barking noises on it. And you can hear the internal mechanisms turning sometimes. And that's that's just because it's kind of overloaded and you need to do a complete factory reset 
it irons out all of those things and it you know works properly again so knowing and understanding what your false positives are with any piece of tech will just make you a much better investigator so i wouldn't say there's a i don't do apps but i wouldn't say there's one particular piece of equipment that i think is complete rubbish i think there's many out there that's rubbish <laughs> <laughs> I think you you got to try and test it, and yeah. I do agree with with mobile apps. You've got a creator in the background that is putting it together to do these sort of things. And yeah, you know, I I do tend to like the cat balls, like just yeah, simple yeah. cat balls, and then see what happens with that. But it is you you are right with the the apps, um, and also Ty, Tyler's just said Esther's method. Um, no, I love the Esther's so, method so much. <laughs> So would you tend to use the Estes method then, you know, yes. with your abilities? Does it work stronger for you? Um, yeah, actually, it kind of enhances things. And I don't know if it's because I'm listening to the white noise that it shuts out everything else because yeah, you're blindfolded and you're listening yeah. to that that static. Um, so I don't know if it's because of that, that it kind of makes me tune into my abilities and not take note of what's around me. It uh, kind of enhances things a bit more. Um, I don't know. I love the Estes method. I think, again, you know, there's so many more controls that need to be put in place. How many times um, she was a magnet at St. Albans while doing the Estes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But how many times have you watched a paranormal show and they do the Estes method and you go, well, first of all, the person that's asking the questions is far too close. And second of all, we can't hear the spirit box. How much of that is real? And unfortunately, I've seen shows where the person doing the Estes method actually has an earpiece and the producers are telling them what to say, but you can't see it because it's underneath their headphone. That, that. Uh -huh. and do you That's know, really funny, like, isn't it? I like your honesty with, with what you're saying there because being in TV yourself. Yeah. But do you think those sort of shows, they make it harder for people that are doing real investigations and being true to the industry? It makes it harder for them to say, this is really happening because of the TV shows. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not going to name shows. Oh, no, no, I... we won't want you to do that. But it's just your opinion <laughs> on the subject. No, they, they seriously, they do make it harder because for people who are out there and they're genuinely trying to capture that evidence, you know, you need to realize that you don't get 15 EVPs before the first commercial break. Those guys are in there for hours with nothing. They just condense it to 42 minutes. You know, that's like two, three days of filming that is condensed into that time. So if you had two, three days, day and night in a location, I can guarantee you, you would capture just as much evidence. But people tend to People tend to think, oh, I'm going to go out on an investigation and I'm going to get all this amazing stuff. And you have to remember that, unfortunately, thank goodness the shows that I've chosen to work on. And I, I've been offered so many more, but I'm really picky with the shows that I work on because I refuse to fake something. I refuse. I don't care if it's television. I don't, TV doesn't pay that well, honey. Like my reputation in this field. <laughs> means a lot more to me you know that i'm credible and that is decent credible evidence means more to me than just a television show and unfortunately i know of shows 
that have faked things very badly. And again, people watch that on TV and that's what they expect to get. But that show, when nothing's happening in their window of filming, they got to follow a narrative. They have to create a story. And unfortunately, there's several shows out there that, you know, there might be a producer on set that's helping them out a little. The, it's the really thing frustrating. Is, the, the paranormal industry is a beautiful industry to be in because you're learning history. It, it, there's so yeah. many, And the thing, let it happen naturally. You might not get something first off, you know, especially when you're at a new location. But go back, do your research. You know, that's yeah. the way we do it. And, you know, like I said, it does make it harder because people go in with expert. We have guests that join us. And yeah. we say to our guests, please don't think this is going to be like the TV. It's yeah, not. you know, what do you mean? No fifth level demon from hell is going to come up and slap you? <laughs> the, the thing, and that's reality. Wow. You know, yeah. we do so. I've spoken to guests and, you know, and I'm like, look, you're basing it on a TV. Please, you might come down and sit in a room and nothing will happen. Not yeah. saying that it's not haunted, but this is reality. You just have to see what happens and the energy that's being built. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I do think as much as the shows are good at times, but people need to take it lightheartedly sometimes because it gives you a false representation of the paranormal. Mm -hmm. You know, what's really sad is that there are so many paranormal shows that I've been asked to be a part of and I've completely blankly turned them down. Like, there's no way. There's no way. I know what you guys do and I'm not prepared to do that. Or I've had producers tell me like, oh, well, we're just going to add this. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> not on my show, you're not. Um, I did work on one particular show where everything we filmed was on my night vision cameras. And, it, you know, the, the investigation that I did was legit. The, the little bit of evidence that I got, and it wasn't a lot of evidence, mm. but the bit of evidence that I got, I mean, I was happy with it. Could have been better, but oh well. And it got towards the end of the night and I went, you know what, I'm just going to wrap it up. It's gotten really quiet. I'm going to end the investigation. And when I wrapped up the show, like my little bit to the camera, the director and them were listening to my audio and they weren't in the location. Um, and they came walking back in and they're like, don't you just want to make it a little bit creepier and say that you have to leave because it was so terrifying? And I was like, no. No, I don't. That's not what happened. And they're like, yeah, but don't you want to say that you got all these EVPs and that you you need to leave because you're so scared? And I was like, mm -mm. and they try to get me to fake it and, and just, you know, do the whole sensationalizing thing. And I refused point blank. And actually, I swore at the director really badly. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I told him that, you know, they they changed the ending of the episode and they narrated over it saying they took my audio out and said, Oh, she's so terrified that she had to leave. And I called them back and I was like, best you put the original ending back in because all of that was filmed on my cameras. My cameras were still rolling when your director tried to get me to fake stuff. Also, they were still rolling when I told him exactly what he can go and do. So either you change the episode or I will release that footage. But you are not going to ruin my reputation for your 15 minutes of fame. I'm sorry. Not happening. 
So, you know, unfortunately, it happens in the industry, but it's down to whether or not you sell out for TV. It's it's down to you as an investigator. It's your own personal integrity and your own beliefs. And, and if you're just doing TV because it's a cool job and you don't mind living with that, you know, faking things for television, if you get paid a paycheck and then that's what you're into, great. Good for you. You make life more difficult for the rest of us who are honest. But, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I'm far too honest to... Uh, <laughs> to do something like that it's not just like, like your reputation you've built a reputation that you should be proud of um but at the same time it's not just disrespecting your reputation it's also the locations as well you know I and think, the spirits and the i was just about to, do you know i was just yeah. about to say maybe i might be a bit psychic i knew what you were going to say <laughs> hey. i'm only joking um but it, it, it's sort of you know you're disrespecting what is there and you know, you're given a false representation of these beautiful locations. Um, you know, what, and is it hard for you then to, you know, when when someone comes to you like a producer or a director saying we want you to be part of this, you know, I tell you, you you have a lot of thought process in it, and you know, there's a lot to go into it. You just don't jump to it and say, yeah, yeah. let's do this. You know, yeah, there's a lot to consider. I mean, a lot of it, I'll ask them straight off the bat, okay, what is the, the name of the show? Because from the name, I can usually tell what sort of direction are they going? Is it everything's hashtag it's a demon? Or, you know, is there another reason behind the name? Um, and I've had a few that have, they've literally got, oh, our show is called this and this and this. And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> not a chance. Sorry, not happening. Um, I mean, I've had three show interviews in the last three weeks to give you an idea. People, people are pitching ideas all the time. You've got to understand that in TV yeah. industry, everybody's got a show. And especially if you have a reputation as an investigator or a psychic medium in the field, you kind of get things floated by you all the time. The difference is, you know, you can, um, you can create a show, right? And you're not going to fake anything. You're going to this. You want to do it straight and narrow. And you take that idea to a production company. And the production company, um, you kind of got to have an in because most of them won't accept any unsolicited unsolicited ideas. So you know yeah. you need a you need to know someone to get it in front of a producer at a production company. They'll look at it and go, "This is great, but." It's not exciting enough. What's the hook? What makes this different to every other show? How can you guarantee that you're going to have an exciting episode? And how can you guarantee that you're going to have evidence in every single episode? Otherwise, what's the point? It's not a paranormal show then, is it? It's just like a history show. Then you've got to take that concept, work on it with their development team, come to an agreement with how you're going to get this paranormal evidence out there or whatever the case is. And then that goes to a network. They, they make it sound all nice and TV and they take it to a network. They pitch it to the networks. They pitch it to several networks, Discovery, to Netflix, to wherever, you know, Channel 4, Rally TV, I don't know, whoever the hell it is. They yeah. pitch it out to everybody. And then one of them will come back and go, yeah, actually, we like this idea, but 
how do we make this more exciting? How do we get higher ratings? What sets this apart from everything else? So you go through that whole development process with them and everybody has their say. Problem is you have some network executive who's never set foot in a haunted location, who sat there in some nice little cushy office, who's going, mm, yeah, there's not enough demons for my liking because <laughs> they want ratings. So, you know, you can have the best intentions going into doing a show, but it's whether or not you stand your ground throughout the entire process and you don't let production companies or network executives bully you. And that is why I've said no to so many things because it's gone to a network and they've gone, well, actually, and I've gone, well, no, I won't do it. I'm sorry. Um, and, you know, maybe that's stupid. I missed out on a lot of work because I'm not willing to give in. But I've got some things in the pipeline and, yeah, we're just going to have to <laughs> wait and see what happens with those. It's like Joyce just said, and I agree, you know, with honesty is everything, you know. And if you can hand on heart say that your investigations are true, that's better than the TV shows, you know. Yeah. You, you don't want to... Because in a way, you're you're falsifying evidence. You're and you're lying to the public that are taking in what you're doing. You know, and when when we present it to people to go to the locations, mm. so you go in there and say, for instance, Grandma Joe's haunting Warwick Castle, and a TV show goes in there, and they're like, "Oh my God, hashtag it's a demon that's haunting this," yeah. and then you go in there with the paranormal group, and everybody, the public, are all like. Oh my God, it's a demon because that's what they saw on TV. And poor Grandma Joe's like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell, dude? <laughs> but no, I agree with keeping it real and standing your ground. That That's great. Um, the patrol and just asked, um, have you ever investigated 30 East Drive? No. <laughs> no. Um, I've had the opportunity so many times and I, I actually, I need to. I still have not gone uh, for a full investigation. I've been there. I just haven't done a full investigation. Um, I've heard so many horror stories. Some people saying they found fishing wire everywhere and, and you know, that people were faking things and rattling things and all sorts. Um, but I've also heard the complete opposite. I've heard it's a great, fantastic haunted location. And I've seen apparitions captured on camera there so um i need to go and check it out for myself i do and this is a place that uh richard estep and i said we all need to do well so just a little head start so the, um the patrol we, we've been um lucky to be offered to go and investigate that east drive with them and it looks like that they've just extended that invitation to you if you would like to join I'm literally um, I'm checking my calendar right September, now. <laughs> September the 5th. Um, um, we will be heading up there. Um, and, yeah, big rub by the sounds of it. If you want to tag along and, you know, join in the fun, we're going to be, you know, we're thinking about streaming it live. We're going to do, we're going to film it as well to do like a mini episode as well. But okay, there's an, there's an invitation there, MJ, if you want to join us all. Um, do you, you know, know what? I I might be able to. I'm not going to 100% commit. And the only reason is because I'm flying to Michigan in August for the Michigan Paranormal Convention. I'm one of the speakers at Michigan Paracon. Um, 
And I'm actually teaching an EVP workshop um, over the weekend. And I'm doing a talk with Richard Estep about psychic remote viewing and some of the work that we've done together. Um, so I don't, I get my flight details in like the next couple of weeks for Michigan Paracon. I'll know when I'm back in the UK. Um, yes, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. There. If Thank you know you. you can make it, you know, um, definitely head over to the patrol. Um, you know, Rob, big Rob, he's, he's the organizer of the event and we were just Amazing. lucky. He was like, do you want to come along with us? And we were like, yeah, let's go. So, you know, Thank if you're, you. if you're free and you want to come, you know, then the invitation's there for you, MJ. Thank I you, would love that. Thank you so <laughs> much. So... I'd love that. That'd be really cool. Um, like I say, I just, I need to get my dates from when I get back from Michigan. Um, and I'll let you know, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm back on the 5th. So the, this event could have got just a little bit better, you know, so hopefully we'll make some magic work with it. So <laughs> that'd be awesome. That, that's um, absolutely brilliant. Um, Jenny's in the room. I just want to put it. So EVP, this lady, Jenny loves her EVP. So, you know, the workshop, she, she's, I knew she'd um, be there. I actually do an, well, I have an EVP workshop on my Patreon page. So I'm not sure um, if, yeah, definitely. I'm not sure if a lot of people in the UK actually understand what Patreon is. Um, most people are like, eh? <laughs> so Patreon is a platform for content creators. And so we have different levels. So anything from three pounds a month to four pound 50, 10 pounds a month, um, up to like 40 pounds a month and you get hoodies and t-shirts and everything sent to you, but it's a content platform. Now I have one of the tiers on there is a wicked workshop platform and Every well, pretty much every month, I try my best to do one workshop a month with everybody. But we do a two hour live workshop and then I record them and put them on Patreon. So you can go back and watch the whole library of workshops and lectures. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, my whole EVP, I've got a whole EVP workshop on there. Um, you used to be part of Patreon? Cool, awesome. Yeah, I've got a whole EVP workshop on there, tarot card reading workshop, uh, Herbs 101, how to investigate the paranormal, like uh, Paranormal 101, how do we make this better? It's taking paranormal investigation and looking at our tools and how can we use them better? How, what better controls can we put into place? How can we become better investigators? Um, and not only that, but... Throughout lockdown, um, I did online paranormal conventions called Sage Paracon at Home. And it was all via Zoom. Everything. So it was a three-day. Was it three days, guys? Those of you who were part of it in the comments, I think it was three days. Um, that we were live the entire day. So wow. we had from like, I think it was like, midday here in the UK until like four or five o'clock in the morning every day we had lectures going on the whole time or we were watching paranormal programs and things and independently made shows yeah joy you were a part of it we had paranormal pajama parties and all sorts it was so much fun um but all of the lectures and I'm talking lectures from 
John Zaffis, Dustin Parry. Um, oh my goodness, that's I kind of I've gone blank. Like psychic mediums, Ouija board, like the Talking Board Historical Society. There's like 40 different lectures, if not more, on my Patreon page. The the whole yeah. Thanks, Joy. Um all of the all of the uh lectures, the past lectures from the conventions are all on there. So you don't just get access to my stuff that I do, but you get access to anyone that's done Sage events to their lectures. I have my own podcast on there that I try and chuck an episode up a month or so. Um, it's called The Boozy Baboon. The Boozy I Baboon, I like that. <laughs> the Boozy Baboon. <laughs> so like we it. have a glass of wine. We talk about whatever comes up, like whatever topic it is. But, you know, I've spoken to John Zaffis, the godfather of the paranormal. There's a whole episode just on demonology. He's the world's foremost demonologist that works with the Vatican. You know, wow. so you want to know about demonology and get into the nitty gritty of things and see footage from an actual exorcism that took place in the 70s? It's on there. Um, anything from, yeah, herbs witchy stuff spell casting it's all on my patreon the the whole supernatural africa all the actual episodes of it are all going on there uh youtube show in search of the paranormal that's on there wine and evps exactly i'm just saying <laughs> you're speaking jenny's language there when you're saying about a little drink there right um, which is which is great so so you've got so much going on and you know um Firstly, I appreciate everything that you've told us. But what I want to do is finish up on, you know, firstly, where can everyone find your stuff? And if they want to sign up. Okay. Um, few different places. So if you want to know anything about Sage Paranormal, so these are paranormal events that I do, like weekend investigations. Um, I have a full paranormal clothing range so we didn't even get into that so um if you go to sageparanormal.co.uk you will find my book uh weekend investigations and you'll find the paranormal clothing range i have a full herbal product range as well oh, wow. um, i have a paranormal version of cards against humanity called paranormal profanities that i created Ooh. so you have a paranormal card game on there which there's a lot of swearing. I'm just going to throw that out now. That's why it's called Paranormal Profanities. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you can find my card game on there. If you want to know about the Sage Paracon, the paranormal convention that I host. So we have the one in the States happening the 29th of September to the 1st of October at Bell Grove Plantation in King George, Virginia. Um so we have Belgrove Plantation Paracon, and then we've got the UK Paracon that takes place the 26th to the 29th of October, just in time for spooky season. And that is going to be at Coombe Abbey in Coventry, West Midlands. Wow. You can find out anything about the conventions at sageparacon.co.uk. And... If you want to know anything about my work, all the TV shows that I've worked on, um, if you want to just find out a bit more about me, 
then you can just go to mjdixon.com. Yes, Daniel, we do need to go. I agree. You know what? Oh, also, I, I do team discounts because I want paranormal teams there. Because it means if a paranormal team is at a convention, they are learning. Well, you know what? That Daniel said it. When he gets an idea in his head, we're going to go with it. So, you know, that's something that we will definitely that talk to. And awesome. just, guys, um, what I will do afterwards, I've got all of MJ's links. So I will be posting the links onto... Um, onto the comments on here. So you'll be able to click straight and go straight to MJ's stuff. Um, and if anyone has missed it, this will be uploaded onto Spotify, um, iPodcast as well. And all the links will be there as well. So if you've okay. missed out, it will all be there. Um, but I just want to thank you, um, MJ, for, you know, you. You, just giving us an honest overview of everything that you've done. <laughs> You know, it's been absolutely great. Like I said, I was really excited to to get the opportunity to have a chat with you. Um, Daniel's just put in there. Um, such a great podcast. Thank you, Nando and MJ. Thank really enjoyed so it. Thank you. Um, thank you. Great interview. Thank you, Joanne. Uh, Joanna. Um, you know, and without the viewers, you know, you guys make it just that much better being part of it. You yes. know, that's why we do it, because we want to share out everyone's success and you know from what you've come from to now it's been an absolute you know everything that you've gone through has been amazing you know even the hard times and the way you've you know grabbed the ball by the horns and just gone with it and done something so successful you know it's especially at a hard time you know to do a convention uh a paracon as well it's been amazing to hear everything about you mj Thank you. And you know what? Just a little last word of advice for anyone in the paranormal field. You know what? If you if you want to do something, go out there and learn how to do it. Learn. Work with people. There's so many people who are willing to collaborate and share their experience and find people who do online lectures and things as well. Get involved in, in the convention circuit and stuff. Honestly, there's a really great community out there and there's so much to learn. And if you believe that you can do it, I did. Yeah. You and can too. You know, just the small show that we've had this evening, we've learned so much. And, you know, take a leaf out of MJ's book. And, you know, she's she's done it. She's enjoyed it. And she's been true to it all, which still is great as well. So <laughs> she's still partying, which is great. Um, but I'm, I just want to say thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and getting to thank know you. you. And I would love to catch up with you in the future, maybe bring you back on for a second part and sure. you know, sort of talk about more stuff. Um, and then maybe, we don't know, we might do this collaboration with the patrol. I mean, so far it's looking pretty good. There's <laughs> something to potentially look forward to, everyone, because then we yes. can do... A a follow-up of the investigation at East Drive as well. So yeah, we'll have to go and live at some point too. Yeah, cool. it'll be great. It will be great. But what I'll do, um, MJ, is I'll just put you in the back, um, and then I'll give you my proper goodbye and Bye just guys. finish off with everyone. But thank you, MJ, and it's been great. Thank you. Thank you. Well, guys, what an absolute brilliant show this evening. I'm sure everyone would agree. Um, MJ is absolutely amazing. Um, you know what a great lady to just give you know her honest opinion about things definitely excited about getting mj back on in the future and seeing 
what she's going to do in the future in the paranormal field. Like I said, I will be posting all her links onto the page afterwards. So if you do want to head over and check her out, please do go and show some love to MJ, you know, and, you know, her books. I'll put the links on the books and everything. So definitely head over there. You know, we look forward to seeing what MJ is going to do in the future. And hopefully we'll get the opportunity to work with her, which will be awesome. Um, but for now, I just want to say thank you to all of you, as always, for your continued support. You're all great. And, you know, everyone at Portal to the Paranormal appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to be with us. Um, for us personally with Investigation, we will be live on the four, oh, on the 6th of May uh, at Murchison Hall for the Global Ghost Hunt. Um, so definitely check out that live. It's going to be a great investigation. We will be with the patrol on the 4th of May as well. Um, at Arendelle Jail House. And again, we will be going live. So, you know, we would love you all to join us. Um, but for now, goodbye. Have a great evening or great day wherever you're watching from. And we will be back soon with some more podcasts. So for now, goodbye, everyone. <laughs>